Welcome to the Sales Pro Chat Podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association, helping sales-focused professionals discover new tools, trends, and strategies. Please welcome your host, Bill Bannum. In the April 2018 Sales Pro Chat, we'll consider the idea that team players are not top sellers. And this is a pretty special edition of the Sales Pro Chat show for a couple of reasons. Firstly, we're going to approach this topic from two angles. Firstly, we're going to look at the team. And then in the second part, we're going to focus more on the individual. And the other reason why it's a very special show today is because we have a super fantastic, awesome Canadian-based sales expert in Colleen Francis, president and founder of Engage Selling Solutions, as our guest. For sales professionals, team leaders, and organizations across the country, the Canadian Professional Sales Association is your partner in building knowledge and skills to improve sales performance. The CPSA is the advocate for excellence in sales. We invest resources in programming, curriculum development, and professional designations to help individuals and companies become more successful through effective sales. We connect employers and employees, business with academia, and the private sector with government to advance the sales profession and improve Canadian competitiveness. Learn more at cpsa.com. And remember to subscribe to the CPSA podcast through iTunes, Google Play, and more. Colleen, welcome to the show. It's my great pleasure to be here. So firstly, Colleen, tell our audience a wee bit about yourself and what you do at Engage Selling Solutions. Well, what we do at Engage Selling Solutions is help companies accelerate their sales results. I am really fascinated with helping sales teams sell more in less time at a higher profit and accelerate past their market conditions or their their competition. So we're always looking at that intersection between the buyer and the seller um, trying to shorten it up um, and actually make it a more pleasant experience, both from a buying and a selling um, perspective. Because if buyers really enjoy buying from you, um, they buy more often, they become evangelists, they're more loyal, and of course, um, they spend more money. People buy from people, Colleen. I often hear this when we're doing these shows, and I completely yeah. agree with you. Uh, okay, so let's get into the nuts and the bolts of the topic today. Uh, and so in this first part, as I mentioned a moment ago, we're going to focus more on the team and, and the role of the salesperson within the team, the, the good and the bad, before we then jump into the second part, which is going to be more focused on the individual. So with with so much emphasis, Colleen, generally placed on the importance of connecting with your company's brand and vision the the constant feedback that needs to go with that and the benefits of teamwork. What what makes the sales department unique in an organization, i.e. why do they need to be more individualist in their approach to their job? It's a really great question. Um, you know, I started to think of sales teams as more like an Olympic gymnastics team as opposed to, say, a football team or a baseball team, meaning that they all work individually and when each person is good at managing their own territory or great at managing their own customers then the team really rises to the top sales team members aren't like a football team where they're passing the ball to each other and they all need to be working together in order to get the win they definitely need to work with other people in the organization so 
it's not that they have to, what makes them unique is they don't have to work together, meaning salesperson to salesperson necessarily to be top performers. They do have to work with their marketing colleagues or their customer service colleagues or their pricing colleagues or their manager um, or even their production colleagues. So they have more of a team affinity with other people in the organization um, as opposed to other departments where the entire marketing team might need to work together to execute on a project successfully. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the role of team targets, if you don't mind, just for a moment. Yeah. Um, in, in what situations can team sales targets be, be a positive? That is a really great question. And I've seen sales team targets be a positive in two areas. One, brand new startups. So the first couple of years of a business where the entire marketplace is a green field and you're still trying to figure out what the targets should be, what the market is, what's resonating with your buyers. Those kinds of environments can be good for sales team targets until um, the sales organization gets a little bit of, um, of a momentum going. So I only suggest that in maybe the first year or two um, of an organization. The other place where sales team targets can be a good thing is maybe not across the entire team, but we often see sales teams created in large organizations where there are um, multiple specialties. So what I mean by that is if we take like, um, like an Oracle or an IBM, for example, where you have one person who's managing an account, maybe one person is managing the Department of Defense account, and they have to bring in a specialist for their financial systems and a specialist for their database systems and a specialist for their CRM, and they're all selling as a group to that one account, then an override or a sales team target for that specific account team can also be a positive. Other than that, I believe that sales targets need to be focused on the individual um, and they need to be reflective of what is possible to achieve in a specific geographic or vertical market. Now, what are, what are some of the risks of making your top sellers focus on the team over themselves? <laughs> That's a good one. The, the risk is that they will leave. <laughs> So a fundamental premise of, of individuals is A players do not like to hang around B players or C players for that matter. But B and C players love to hang out with those A players because they, you know, they want um, to be more successful and they want to kind of ride on the coattails. So what we find in organizations is if those A players are forced um, to act as a team and they feel like, well, everything I do, the other guys are getting compensated for, and I'm not being recognized for my unique efforts, then they eventually leave because they're not getting the attention that they feel like they deserve. Okay, so I guess there is a flip side to this as well, Colleen, and, and that's, that's this idea of uh, scope creep, and uh, projecting yourself as a team player, uh, to use that almost as a, as a shield, a, a way to mask your underperformance. You know, if, if you can go to your sales leader and say, well, I've spent X number of hours this month coaching the junior sales folk, um, brainstorming ideas, having lots of, in brackets, unnecessary meetings. And that's terribly value, valuable. Oh, no, I didn't hit my quota this month, however. 
um, maybe maybe you can get away with it because you're you're disguising yourself. You're using that shield. Would, would, would do you, do you see that in organizations too? Um, I have seen that in organizations, um, and you know that's sort of shame on the sales manager because if the sales manager does want somebody to take on a slightly different role inside an organization, coaching other people, or having internal meetings, or working on special projects, then. Uh, it suffice to say there should be some quota relief in order to do that because you're asking them to take time out. But if the salesperson is doing that on their own um, and hasn't run it by the sales manager um, or come to any um, understanding with the sales manager, um, then they're using it as an excuse. Now, in no way should that um, behavior be tolerated for more than a month or two. And if the sales manager isn't coaching those individuals on an every two week or every month basis, um, then there's a different problem inside the organization because they should notice within a month if production is going down, if time seems to be wasted in non-productivity areas, if meetings are being held unnecessarily, or if um, the top performer is taking time out of their day to coach or overcoach um, younger performers, that should become apparent um, quickly. And we need to be coaching people out of that behavior, not waiting until it's too late for them to hit their target. Some people listening to this podcast today, Colleen, might, might think to themselves, well, yeah, of course, you've got to be individualistic and, and more focused on, on your own KPIs to succeed in sales, because sales is terribly unique. But what do you what what does the company potentially lose by it, with that approach shouldn't we encourage top sellers to aspire to become coaches and leaders and mentors so that they can create sustainable sales success long after they've left an organization well yes and no um not all top sales people want to be leaders nor should they be not all top um salespeople are going to leave the organization because there aren't leadership positions. So on the other hand, um, so we have to be careful about that. We just have to make sure that we're coaching them and paying attention to the career path that those top salespeople want to be. On the other hand, I do believe that using your best to coach the rest is the way to create sustainability inside an organization. Um, and one way to do that is not to have the best people do that coaching, but to actually have the manager draw out of that top performer what it is that they're doing successfully so they can curate it and leverage it and teach it to the other um, members of the team. What, what One of the hardest things a sales manager, a sales coach, or a sales consultant like me um, has to do during their day is figure out how to make a top performer conscious of what they're doing to create that top performance. Because once they're conscious of it, they can recreate it, they can replicate it for themselves and have even higher performance, and we can teach it to the rest of the team. So my opinion is for a top performer, it doesn't matter that they know they're good. It matters that they know why they're good. Because when we can figure out the why, we can create more success. And this is a huge challenge because it's not easy to make an unconscious top performer conscious of their steps. But we can do that through coaching. Um, we can do that by having the um, top performers 
teach a skill during a um, during a sales meeting, we can have a top performer do some ride-alongs, not where they are taking time out of their day, but they're taking um, a newer performer out on a sales call with them um, just to observe and watch or listen in on their calls if it's an inside sales role. So we're not actually taking time out of the day of that top performer, but we're utilizing what they're doing during the day to drive top performers in other areas. Wonderful. Thank you very much. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You can be an individualistic salesperson focused on your KPIs, but also that there's there sounds like there's lots of opportunity to help develop those in your sales team if if your sales leader can manage and, and coordinate that in the right ways. So that just leaves me to say for this first part of uh, the April Sales Pro Chat interview, Colleen Francis, thank you very much for being the guest. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Sales Pro Chat Podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association.